0: One.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to a new episode of Proper Punches featuring Fistful of Cash. If you guys are not familiar with Fistful of Cash, I have my partner in crime here, Dale Lippin. I'm excited (laughs) to have him on the podcast. He is the mastermind and creator of all things Fistful of Cash, the number one MMA betting podcast out there on the market. We're going to dive into, obviously, all things UFC gossip, but we have a mastermind in the fact that's going to tell us what's coming up for the UFC Vancouver fight. So, first, I want to introduce Dale. How's it going, man?
0: It's going great, man. I don't think that I've ever had anybody include the word mastermind that many times in a sentence involving me unless it involves something I was doing to try to get out of trouble or keep from being arrested. So, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. That was that was real uh that was real humbling. Thank you
1: absolutely I mean that's literally the only term that comes to it when you're making money off some guys (laughs) intellect and analytics mastermind I mean that's just what you should wear that should be your BMF title the mastermind title right there
0: I like it I like it
1: well I want to talk about UFC 242 a little bit I know we have you know Justin Gaethje and Donald Cowboy Cerrone to talk about but UFC 242 was such a massive card it had a makeshift stadium Abu Dhabi money galore but Unfortunately, your boy, he was stuck at a wedding. I always, I always try and block out my schedule. No date nights, no work events, no anything. I literally put it in my calendar. There's no one's touching my Saturday nights if there's a pay-per-view card. But of course, I was stuck at a wedding. I was stuck at table 13. I was frantically at least trying to watch the prelims on ESPN Plus. Thought about buying the pay-per-view, but I'm like, you know what? If I have to watch this under a tablecloth, it's just not going to do it justice. So, of course, for the listeners out there, I was actually texting Dale and saying, "Please just give me updates, what's going on?" but really didn't get to see it. So I really want to hear Dale, your thoughts on UFC 242, its impact and kind of, you know, what's going to go from from where it was.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny, you know, you're you're talking about texting me and I realize now that you were in fact texting me. I was supposed to be updating you and I did a very poor job of it because for some reason in my mind, I could not wrap my head around the fact that you wanted me to tell you what was happening, right? So the the co-host on our show hates spoilers for all things, you know, whether it be sports, movies, or whatever. So it's like he'll turn his phone off to avoid, you know, finding out what happens in something. Um, so it, it was, you know, it was basically sort of learning to walk again to be able to communicate with somebody that doesn't necessarily need to see it but wants to know what's happening, but. You know, what you, what people need to realize walking away from 242, there's two big points that I want to camp on just briefly. Uh, one is with the co main event, Edson Barbosa versus Paul Felder, as you know, ended in a split decision and it went 30 uh, 27 for both guys. So one judge saw 30 27 for Barbosa, the other one saw 30 27 for Felder. It's 2019. This should not be happening. As the sport continues to legitimize itself, things like this should not be happening. The rounds were not that close. Uh, it was a clear-cut round f- one for Edson and a clear-cut round three for Felder. There's, I, I don't understand how any judge saw those rounds and scored them the way that they did. So there's a real disparity in the judging. Uh, and the second takeaway from this pay-per-view is that Khabib is human, he can be beaten, and Dustin Poirier provided the blueprint on how to do it. He just could not complete the project.
1: Well, first off, I want to I want to start at the beginning of what you yeah. said. Anyone that records live sports, I don't even want to know them. They're a serial killer. I don't know <laughs> those type of people. I don't want to know them. It, it, you got to watch sports in its live form. I got to know what the aura, what the oxygen levels around me feel like in that moment so, yes, I needed that decisive, hey, this is what's happening. You did give me the, you know, round three guillotine. You know, and I was I, literally when you were saying it was, he's got that deep, I was literally stressing. I think vows were going on, but I was like, oh, my gosh, if he sinks this and lands this. You know, what was he? What did, what did Dustin come in at? He was like a plus.
0: I think it was plus 450. And then he got bet down to like a I saw him on I saw him on some books at plus 375. And I've seen him. I saw him on others as as high as plus 500. It really just, it really just depended on where you were at.
1: Yeah. And I mean, at, I mean, that's significant of an underdog and you hear that he has a deep guillotine on Khabib. I mean, I I, re, I did end up watching the highlights of it. I mean, that's something where you look at it and you're like, that guy is just gassing his arms out, but for Khabib to actually come out of it outside of him actually getting clipped early, it showed that he was human, but it also showed that the guy has serious wherewithal. This guy, that was a really deep guillotine for him to get out of it. I mean, that just kind of stapled it for me.
0: Well, here's here's the thing that, that it shows more than anything else, right? Is somebody that can either chain wrestle or somebody that can chain together jujitsu techniques and attacks might be successful against Khabib, right? where I'm not I'm not discounting Poirier's ground game at all. It's very good. He's very slick. Has quite a few submission wins. But he wasn't chaining anything together. It was kind of like a one and done. He wasn't moving from one angle to the next one technique to the next. He was he was sort of all in on what he was going for and he should have been. I mean, those were those were great attempts at the, you know, at the techniques and the chokes that he had. But what we saw there is Khabib is willing to expose himself to what could, you know, in the right circumstances be a less advantage, less than advantageous position to defend himself. There's a little bit of panic there when a limb gets threatened or a choke gets in on him. We saw this, you know, he's willing to give up, uh, he, he's willing to give up position in order to avoid the discomfort of a choke. So if you have a guy <clears throat> like Tony Ferguson <clears throat> that can put him in these kind of positions <laughs> and do so successively, you know, using that uh that Eddie Bravo 10th planet electric chair style setup, uh, it could be a it could be a damn interesting fight.
1: Absolutely. And when you're in that guillotine type position, any jiu-jitsu guy will tell you that, you know, one, if it's deep, I mean, you're struggling, you're trying to get that that forearm is in a far away from your chin as possible, but you're also trying to relax and kind of move it like chest. You're trying to think what's the next step. But you know, that sense of calm is such an elite level, but it's even easier when you know that you're going to make $6 million just to show. I know it. 6 million Dustin Poirier. I mean, he had 250 to show he got $40,000 for a fight week incentive pay, but Khabib he ends up making almost $6,100,000 in his whole entire fight week. That included, you know, fight week, uh, uh, the fight week incentive pay, the, he got $50,000 for the performance of the night bonuses, but then the $6 million to show, I mean, c- anyone could put me in an electric chair, the rear naked choke, you know, Americana, whatever it is, $6 million, you're pretty relaxed on the canvas for sure.
0: Yeah. I, you know, there is a, there's the disparity in pay has always been something, uh, but you know, it, honestly, it comes down to a couple different things. It comes into how, how fresh are you uh, in the UFC or, you know, or is this a third fight, fourth fight, fifth fight? What, what contract are you on? On you, you on your second contract. Or are you on your third contract or are you on a developmental deal? You know uh, it, it's one of those things. Are you a one and done like a Brock Lesnar? You know, Brock, never adhered to the 15 and 15 start, you know, he, his, his name and his everything that came with him carried that, you know, same thing with Overeem, right? Like when Overeem came over, he, his deal was 350, 350. Um, it was great, you know, that, that which was kind of unheard of at the time. So, and we're talking pay-per-view points. This is back when he was eating that horse meat, you know what I mean? And looking like the size of a Clydesdale. Um, it's, it's a lot of it has to do with, with, manager and agent negotiations and Khabib is in a great spot right now. Uh, I wonder how many fights his deal is for, and I wonder how that payout comes out because, you know, we know, we know disclosed payday for the Connor was what, like two and a half million. Mm -hmm. And we're at 6.1 here. Maybe he signed a three year or I'm sorry, a three fight $10 million deal. So we'll see him somewhere around the $3 million mark for his fight against Tony. So,
1: so a lot of people like Kenny Florian are speculating that he's going to go 30, and and retire. So that's two more fights on his contract. So the real thing is, you know, what could those last two fights be? Which fighters are most impacted by this Khabib Dustin fight and how it played out? Obviously you saw Conor McGregor tweet out book my rematch for Moscow. Now, before I get into him, I need a preface for everyone in the room, all proper nation. You know, your boy is a big Connor fan, but Dale, oh my God, he <laughs> is the biggest Connor fan. Brushes his teeth with proper 12, eating corned beef hash every single day, bleeds orange and green. This guy is all things Ireland. So before I get into Connor McGregor and how much you love him and why he should deserve the rematch, I want you to also talk about Dale. Tony Ferguson, 12-0 heading in, you know, Khabib's 12-0 in the UFC. And then maybe this fight coming up, Cowboy and Gaethje, how that could play out. If one of those guys win, is it a Connor fight? You know, do they have the actual uh, bandwidth? Do they have the notoriety to actually be in with Khabib? Out of those three subsets right there, what do you think's most feasible?
0: I think what's most feasible is Tony withdraws from a fight against Khabib, Connor steps in, they give it to, they give him the rematch, even though he didn't do anything in my eyes to deserve it. Um, you know, hopefully those in foreign countries and the people that just aren't hip to your game are realizing how facetious you were being with my love for Conor McGregor. That's just not the case. Uh, the whole book, my rematch for Moscow, You really triggered me in the sense that, you know, he just hasn't earned it. I don't think that fight was competitive. I don't think he's de- I don't think he's deserving of a rematch. Here's the problem with that though is that you have Tony Ferguson, right? You have Tony Ferguson fight Khabib. That's your number 1 and number 2. Conor sitting at number 3. Gaethje's at 4, Cowboys at 5. Who the winner of this Cowboy Gaethje fight on Saturday, which we're going to talk about, is not going to fight Conor McGregor. They're not going to have Conor McGregor fight anybody that is not Khabib. And the reason why I say that is, is I believe that it won't sell as well and it won't sell as well for a multitude of reasons. The name reason is, is that there's nobody out there right now that Connor can fight, that he's going to be able to draw the type of numbers that he will with Khabib one or Diaz one and two, unless it is Diaz three. That's it. We saw how competitive the Khabib Connor fight was the first time around. It's going to be real hard to sell pay per views for that again outside of the spectacle factor, which you've talked about. Uh, I think people believe that a fight against Tony Ferguson will be even less competitive, mostly because of Tony's jujitsu. And then you are not going to have your two prized pupils, your, your, uh, your Cherubian angels of violence in cowboy, in, Gaethje, you're not going to put them against your your money maker. You can't send a, a werewolf in to fight Conor McGregor and Justin Gaethje, and there's no glory to be had in cowboy going after Conor. Uh, there's just there's nothing to be done there. So I don't know who you have him fight next. I don't know how you sell a fight with him unless it's a new a new angle, a new person, because I don't think it'll be competitive with any of the guys in the top five right now.
1: So another one of your favorites, Ali Abdeslees, your favorite manager of all time said that Connor sounds like a desperate ex-girlfriend. That's all Connor wants is obviously the Khabib matchup. But as of recently, literally in the past day, Ali's come out and actually said, no, no, no. Tony Ferguson, he doesn't get what he wants. We're looking towards GSP. GSP is what we want next. Do you think that's fair? Um,
0: I, I honestly, I mean, what we've seen past precedent wise is that Dana White doesn't give a shit about fair. Fair is a is a is is a state of mind, and it doesn't exist inside the UFC. UFC is very unique in the aspect that. They treat their guys like 1099 independent contractors, but yet they pay them as they are, as if they are employees. So it's you will do what I tell you to do or you will be fired. Um, but yet your pay and taking care of yourself and your injuries and things of that nature are up to you because you are an independent contractor. Now, I know that guys that get hurt in the course of fighting or, you know, fighting inside the octagon. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, their medical expenses are taken care of if it happens within, you know, the official capacity of competing. But guys that are, that tear their knee out, say in their home gym and I don't know, you know, Little Rock, Arkansas, I don't believe that the UFC is paying for that knee surgery. I could be wrong there, but I don't believe that that's the case. So, you know, to get back to your question here, I, I, I I don't know, man. I don't know if necessarily it's fair. They want GSP. GSP is the money maker fight. You know, Ali's job is to make his client as much money as he possibly can. That's what he cares about.
1: So this this is where I have massive issues, and a lot of my beliefs and values run perpendicular to that of Dana White. And I know that's like me and the collective, but I think this is a great segue into the BMF title. We, we yep. we've talked about Nate Diaz and Jorge Masval, and they've created this narrative that who is the baddest motherfucker out there. And, you know, while they both have been in the UFC, they were essentially birthed there. They were boatyard fighting and fighting when they were 12 years old. They've put a lot of blood, sweat and tears and created what this sport is. But by creating these subsets of different titles, are you delegitimizing the sport?
0: Yes. Yeah, I think you really are. And that's not to be the fun police. Um I've I've been a starch proponent of that the fact that there needs to be an outside governing body, even if it's like a um like the, you see with college football where it 's like an a coach 's poll, if you will, or associated press poll, there needs to be an outside governing body that determines title contenders rankings things of that nature it It will help legitimize the sport uh, it will remove some of the control away from the matchmakers themselves uh, and the dana whites of the world, and it will help these guys you know legitimately stake claims. To the things that could be a life changing event for them, i.e., title shots, number one contender shot, you know, uh, opportunities, things like that. I mean, that's a really big deal. And there's a reason why boxing, having been around for 200 plus years now, has run it that way. It's an effective way to do it. Is it, in a, is it a perfect way? No. But we're 200 years in and we haven't done, we haven't done too much to change it. And I think that that speaks volumes to the validity in running things that way. But again, we circle back here to this idea of independent contractors versus employees. When you do stuff like this, right, it's like creating an employee of the month award is what the BMF title is. It's kind of like saying you guys have made Daddy Dana a lot of money. I'm giving you this opportunity and I'm going to give you this sort of, ancillary prize. It's a performance bonus is really what it is. It's it's a very um sophisticatedly packaged performance bonus. And but calling it a title, yes, I think delegitimizes what the sport's trying to accomplish.
1: So with the BMF title, this is essentially just opening up the floodgates for a multitude of different things. So actually if we go back to what we talked about at the beginning with the 3027, 2730 Barbosa felder, and you're saying, hey, you know, there has to be another facet to the sport that whether that's audience driven or that's another federation, whatever it is, there needs to be something else out there that helps organize the sport more. So I'd always called for kind of like, you remember watching back in the day, who wants to be a millionaire? And, you know, there needs to be some type of audience agreement that when you're watching around, you can't have these crazy back and forth, 30, 27s, but there's an audience Audience members can actually log in and say who they think won that round. So it's on a jumbotron in the middle of the fight. So you, Barbosa can look up and be like, shit, I think I'm down 10, eight or whatever it is. Same thing with the BMF titles. We can go one of two ways. We can either go a, we're going to abide by the ranking system, how it should be literally your number one contender, your next in line, or we're going to have a multitude of all these different layers, all these different facets of all these different type of titles, BMF, you know, whatever it is, maybe it's going to be the, the best. They're going to put the one with the best cardio, whatever it is, it could be all these different things. And that's where it's going to get a little too WWE for me. I think that we can have audience involvement and I think it can create fun things like this, but it needs to be done in a very, very minimal level because this, unfortunately, I could see this turning into a snowball effect and getting you know, way, way, way too outlandish.
0: I agree with you. Uh, I, I think the moment that, that, you know, the corporation as a whole, the UFC decides to legitimize it. That's when it, you know, one loses the sheen of it being like a cool thing for the fans because once the company gets involved, it's never as fun. It's like when your parents start trying to use like slang and stuff whenever you're a teenager. It's just like, oh gosh, I just never want to say anything you just said again. Um, it, it turns into that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you in this regard. I, I I think a better, you know, to play the advocate or the you know the adversary here. I think that open scoring will will move the sport forward better than. Say audience participation scoring. Uh, it, in particular, I, I will use Connor and Khabib for that example, right? If you allow the audiences to score whenever those two fight, uh, there, there is too much bias, right? Uh, I mean, we see this now even on a, on a huge scale with judging in Brazil. If I was a US fighter, right, and I am as Anglo as it gets, right, I am I am tall, white with blue eyes and a and a giant beard. I don't look like anybody in Brazil. I I'm not fighting in Brazil ever. Because if it goes to the judges, and short of me having this guy's arm underneath, you know, holding it detached from his body while they while, you know, they read the decisions, I'm not going to win a decision in Brazil. Um you're talking about a group of people that chant things like, you're going to die whenever people are fighting. Uh, flip that on its head, do that in the United States, and see how well that goes. You know what I mean? That's just, w- we would all be acting as if we were triggered by it or something to that effect. But that's a, different, that's a different topic. I just don't know if you can include the audience in scoring based upon just prejudices that would be too big to overcome. But I do believe that there should be open scoring.
1: Oh, for sure, and I think that's a great point in regards to the biases. It's kind of like UFC Vancouver. We have two fighters that everyone loves. Everyone loves Justin Gaethje for his crazy knockout powers, backflips off the top of the cage, and then Donald Cerrone, literally the most active fighter, the most badass looking cowboy wearing, cowboy slinging dude on the planet. So I want to get into UFC Vancouver. I want to give proper nation. Kind of a glimpse into the fistful of cash, how you run it. Let's go top or bottom to top, just like you do chronologically. And let's go through this September 14th at Rogers Arena ESPN plus UFC Fight Night 158 card.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I'd, uh, I'd love to. So, you know, kicking off the main card, uh, you've got Antonio Carlos Jr. a.k.a. Shoe Face taking on Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall sitting at a plus 190. Uh, as far as underdog status goes, and I think that they've got this one right. Carlos Jr., a minus 240 favorite, and I think he's going to do exactly what he needs to do to get this fight, uh, out of the way early, quick, fast, and in a hurry. I watched weigh-ins today, which was such a huge advantage, um, to, you know, being able to accurately, me- you know, measure, if you will, how you think guys are going to perform. And while Uriah Hall appears to be in great shape, it looks like cardio shape. So that tells me that he's anticipating the takedowns, the pressure, the clinch game of Antonio Carlos Jr. And Carlos Jr. coming off that lost Ian Heinish needs to go back to what got him where he is. And that is his, his pressure, his wrestling, and ultimately that jujitsu game that is, you know, world famous. I think Shoeface gets it done inside of two rounds.
1: (laughs) I, I love that pick. I think, uh, You know, your eye hall is great from distance, has those crazy quick strike, you know, combinations, but his problem is his footwork. Regardless of him coming in with good cardio, for some reason the dude always gets his back against the cage. And for a jiu jitsu guy, that is you shoot all day long on that. Get a double, bring it down to the ground, submission all day long. So I love that. I'm totally in line. Yeah.
0: Uh next fight coming up is Michael Pereira versus Tristan Connolly. Connolly is a very, very last second replacement. This the line on this is just wild. Pereira sitting at a minus five fifty. I don't know if you saw the weigh-ins today, but he did a backflip off of the scale uh after he weighed in. And then standard. Yeah, pretty standard. That's how most people get off the scale. And then he did like this seesaw back and forth where he was like jumping from his hands to his feet to his hands to his I don't know. He's too athletic, he's too wild, he's too crazy, he's too unpredictable, and the local kid, Tristan Connolly, is going to sleep. I would avoid this fight at all costs. There's no money to be made here. None.
1: So uh, t- tell the fans a little bit about Michael Priera. If you guys haven't seen the viral video of him in a, his previous fights, kind of give a give a good example of what, what he's known for, outside of what he did, obviously, today at weigh He is
0: wildly athletic. Unpredictable and sort of—I don't know how to—I don't know the best way to say it. It's like a little kid holding a controller on a video game, and he doesn't know the the sequence. You know, he doesn't know the buttons, so he's just mashing the buttons. That's how this is going down. Uh, Pereira is that guy. Um, his, His ability to just continually chain things together. Um, it's too unorthodox, man. The one thing I will say though, is it burns a ton of energy. So I don't know this Tristan Connolly guy, but if I was him, I'd be trying to get this into the second and third round by all means, even if that means getting on your bike and running, uh, the entire time.
1: <laughs> That's great. Um, I'm really excited obviously for Todd Duffy off for four years <laughs> What did he look like at weigh-ins? This guy, from a marketing perspective, has been unbelievable. I mean, Dana White, of all people, is on his hands and knees praying to God that Todd Duffy doesn't win. The media can't stand him right now. He's called him out for what it is. He said that his two two of his four years was predominantly based on contract disputes, not getting that much money. But what are your thoughts on Todd Duffy against, obviously, Jeff Hughes?
0: I mean, I think he's definitely got the – I think he's yeah. got the higher – Level of competition. I, I think that that's you know that that goes without saying. Uh, this fight, you know, it's a heavyweight fight. Heavyweight fights are pretty hard to gauge based upon the the speed and the power in which these guys move. I will say this though, after weigh-ins. Todd Duffy actually became more of an underdog. This fight was a pick 'em, and now you can get Todd Duffy at even money. One thing that I forgot about Jeff Hughes when we talked about this fight earlier is that Jeff Hughes trains with Stipe. So Stipe is really high on Jeff Hughes. And if there's one thing that that tells me is that Jeff Hughes' hands are going to be crisp because that's what Stipe is known for. So Crisp Hands and Todd Duffy, if you recall, 4 years ago last time Duffy fought, his chin not that great. A guy with Crisp Hands, that's that you know that, that that's something to behold. I am leaning Jeff Hughes here at -130, although a heavyweight tilt at damn near even money, I would say, you know, Maybe just wait till they're getting ready to walk out, see who you like more, whether it be walkout, song, or whatever, and then throw money there. But I believe I'm going to play money on Jeff Hughes sitting at minus 130.
1: I like, I like that for sure. I think it's so funny. Everyone always says ring rust, but heavyweights, that just goes right out the window, yeah. honestly. There's no such thing as ring rust in the heavyweight. You land a big shot, you're out cold. But I will say when Todd Duffy's talking about the glory days with Frank Mir, it's kind of like, Okay, well, maybe let's talk about some people that are a little bit more relevant right now. Right. But uh, I like the Jeff Hughes pick. Um, I'm in line is that, with that as well.
0: So, yeah. So, co-main event, Glover Teixeira is trying to turn back the clock. He's taking on Nikita Krelov. Krelov, as you know, is a young killer. Teixeira is, again, trying to fight back father time here. And it's it's an interesting fight for sure. It's it's damn near even. Teixeira sitting at a plus 105 after weigh-ins today. Krelov is a little bit of a favorite at minus one thirty five. The biggest thing for Tashera is he's got to withstand the initial the initial impact we've seen in his last two fights against Carl Roberson and Eon Kutulaba that he his chin is starting to go. Uh, that could be a real problem in taking on a on a young hitter like Krelov. The thing with Krelov though is Krelov is known to get hit, and can he use his veteran savvy to get past Krelov here? I'm going to be honest with you, man. I have not seen over, under on rounds uh, for this fight. I just like this fight inside the distance. The more I'm thinking about this fight, the harder it's going to be for me to pick a winner. I can see paths to victory for both of these men. I like this fight, although it's a middleweight fight. I like this fight to end inside the distance. I see the rounds probably going to come in at one and a half if that's the case. I'm going to go ahead and take it at the under 1.5 at whatever that comes in at because I believe Krylov either wins early or he blows his wad and Teixeira gets him out of there the way he has his last two opponents. So under 1.5 if that's what it's at. If it's a 2.5, just take the inside-the-distance play.
1: Well, people don't realize Krylov, he's 27 but literally has had – I mean, you get to make the case he's had as many fights as Glover – I mean, the guy feels like he's been in the UFC forever, only at 27 years old. Like you said, Glover, that guy, I mean, his chin, I mean, it's it's a little bit dated. And when he likes to work in clinch, all it's going to take is a little overhand right. And that could just dominate and decimate that chin. So I don't know. That's a tough one as well. But I like, I like Nikita and the fact that he has experience. He's been under the lights before and he's had significant wins. OSP, I mean, that's a big win to take to town. Uh, but yeah, total total pick him, flip a coin there.
0: Yeah. So main event, just going to keep this short and sweet. Um, Gaethje versus Cowboy. It's a winnable fight for both guys. I like Gaethje in this fight, though, just based off of maybe it's recency bias. Maybe it's his violence. Maybe it's the fact that Cowboy, I think, is fighting too much, and that's eventually going to catch up with him. Uh, and I, I just think that it's too much. I think it's too much for Cowboy right now, especially 155. He looked pretty dehydrated at weigh-ins today. I know he's a pro at cutting weight to 155, but there's a big difference between, uh, you know, 37 year old Donald cutting to 155 and 27 year old Donald cutting to 155. All that to say that, you know, Gaethje has been battling an eye infection all week, which has me feeling a little uneasy about picking him. Uh, But I do believe with a five round fight, this fight will not go the distance. Gaethje is not built for distance. He just empties the tank too early. Think over-under on rounds is going to come in at three and a half. When it does come in, I'm going to take it under three and a half, and I'm going to take Gagey as well.
1: Uh, that's such a horrible, horrible pick. I feel bad for Proper Nation. <laughs> I just heard that. I really do. I mean, the great thing is we know Cowboys got a gas tank, so if it goes past three, I mean, take it to the bank all day long. But the cool thing is, you know, and Dale, you said this before, the blueprints out there in regards to Donald Cowboy Cerrone and how you can beat him. But I feel like the tides are going to turn a little bit. He doesn't do good when he's, you know, close. And that's what Justin Gage is going to do. He's going to hunt the guy down all day long. But if Donald Cowboy Cerrone can do some push kicks, create some distance, his variability and his unorthodox Muay Thai style, I mean, dude, a couple of those land, you break down the tree a little bit, Justin Gaethje is going to have a long night, especially if it gets in the later round. So I don't know. You want to bet on this one?
0: I absolutely do. You know that I do. That's what I do. Um, So here's what I'm proposing, right? Should Gaethje win, I want you to get on your Instagram and take a shot at Jameson with the bottle clearly visible that it's Jameson. If Cowboy wins, I will go buy a bottle of proper 12 and I will do the same.
1: Gosh, that is so, so rude of you to say. That is, you know, that is my kryptonite right there, Jameson. How dare you? Well,
0: here's the thing as you talk about, you know, me being bleeding, you know, the green and orange, I'm one generation away from being off the boat from Ireland. And I only drink Jameson when I drink whiskey because that's what a true Irishman drinks, not that sugar water that Conor McGregor, who honestly, let's be let's be real here, is losing the support of the Irish people every single day. It's not the stuff he's peddling. So uh, I'm just saying, if you want to know who's really in touch with the Irish people, you got to find a man that drinks Jameson.
1: Well, well I am off the boat from San Diego, California. That's pretty <laughs> much as far as I go. <laughs> and I love that sugar water. So you are on, you all heard it, Proper Nation, Fistful Cash Nation, you've heard it loser will take a shot of the opposing person's favorite drink, post it on their Instagram for the world to see. And uh godspeed cowboy. Well, here we got this, but here's
0: here's the thing, right? Is that all all I'm doing is one, watching you drink Jameson, and two, getting you to buy me a bottle of Jameson cuz I know as soon as you take that shot, you're just going to throw it in the mail and send it to me anyway. So all you're doing is just buy, essentially I'm you're we're betting for you to buy me a bottle of Jameson with minus one shot in it is essentially what this is turning out to be. Uh and it'll be this oh, it'll be the yeah. same thing going the other way. I will not keep that proper twelve in my house. It it, it will come to you. It, it will be expedited shipped to you for sure.
1: Oh yeah, I was this is not going ground. I'll overnight that shit for sure.
0: <laughs> overnight it there will be some dude like Tom Hanks dying on an island with the only thing to drink will be proper twelve because I'm sending it. <laughs> you don't care if it's christmas eve that thing's getting sent um yeah <laughs> but that's all i got man i got a baby crying in the background i got to, I'm, I'm gonna run i appreciate you let me on the show i appreciate what you do uh and giving me a chance to talk to the people i know uh that my people know about it but i don't want to let your people know about it too we have this amazing sponsor for fistful of cash called stay classy meats and they provide just 100 percent ranch to table uh no gmo no hormone. Free range meat, whether that be chicken, whether that be buffalo, bison, cow, pork. You know, we're talking legacy pork. I mean, just unbelievable cuts of meat delivered directly to the door. It means a lot whenever our fans take advantage of it. I'd love to see some of your fans take advantage of the deal we have there. You guys get on there, use promo code FIST. Stay Classy Meats has agreed to two things. One, they're going to give you 10% off your entire order. But two, Should you set up a subscription style with them, they'll give you 10% off of every order. So it means every time you want more meat, they're still going to give you the 10% off. The the deal is is not a one and done. So it's absolutely worth it. Uh, It's promo code FIST, and you can go to stayclassymeats.com to use that code.
1: Guys, I 100% implore you guys to use that code. I've seen the proper nation a little bit and you guys are getting a little too wasted on your old fashions. You need a good steak to kind of bring <laughs> that buzz down. Okay. So take advantage fist 10% off state classy meets Dale. Thank you so much for coming on. That was awesome. I'm excited for proper punches to hopefully, you know, take advantage of your service. Every UFC fight. I'm excited, obviously for UFC Vancouver guys, both for fistful of cash and proper punches, please leave us a review on apples, iTunes, Uh, That goes a long way. And obviously check out both of our social channels at Fistful of Cash and at Proper Punches. Uh, With that said, cheers to you, Dale. Cheers to you, Nation. And we will see you guys uh, next week.